Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Today, we interview Yamini Naidu, economist turned master business storyteller. The new hybrid and virtual workplace will be new, challenging, and definitely a more emotional game. The greatest leaders and managers will engage their workforce through connecting the new future, the new culture, and the new way that we will form relationships through masterful storytelling. This is an essential podcast as every leader now further away from their employees will use storytelling to bring their employees together. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Team Anywhere. I'm Mitch Simon, your co-host on the West Coast, and we've got Ginny Bianca Mathis on the East Coast. In the studio today, we're so excited to have on the podcast, Yamini Naidu. Leadership expert, best-selling author, and perhaps the world's foremost authority on business storytelling. Now, I've I've had a connection with Yamini because over a decade ago, I looked to her work to design a course for a national laboratory in the United States, and this team of PhDs just nailed their presentation in front of the Department of Energy. So everything that you teach works. Wonderful. So Yamini... Yeah, so Yamini, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Mitch and Ginny. I'm really happy to be here, really excited to be here. Um, could you tell us, um, this is a question we always start off with, like, just tell us how has your last year been? I think it's been a roller coaster all over the world. It's been a roller coaster. I'm reminded of uh, one of the last concerts the Motley Crue did in the Staples Center in LA, Tommy Lee, the drummer, he had this his drum kit rigged up on a roller coaster track. So he was playing and the roller coaster was looping around stage, phenomenal. And then suddenly it reached its midpoint and it got stuck. So he was suspended midair. <laughs> you know, and I feel that's what happened. Can you imagine being suspended midair upside down? Uh, that I think that's what happened to all of us last year. A whole fabulous world. analogy. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tommy Lee was such a professional. He kept on playing. Can you believe it? Because he wanted to give the fans what they came for. And luckily they got him down safely. But so I think that's sort of what, you know, for all of us. Professionally, uh, Mitch and Ginny, I was in one sense a bit, uh, I feel grateful that March of last year, just before, you know, the whole world lockdown, we were all at the Professional Speakers Convention, Professional Speakers of Australia. We have a convention every year. And at the, it was the last gig we've done with like 150 people. It just seemed so mind-boggling. At the convention, that's been the early, you know, I feel sometimes speakers of an industry entertainment, we're all the canaries in the mind. All our phones started pinging with cancellation, cancellation, reschedule, reschedule. And the speakers who were, you know, presenting across those three days were so phenomenal. They immediately regrouped and started addressing the pandemic even before it started to unfold. 
And in that sense, that sort of we had a support group. We had some level, like I set up a virtual studio. So much came out of that. Uh, but personally, it's also, you know, been really up and down. Melbourne, you know, we had the extended 111. And I, um, we had a really extended, hard, hard lockdown. But it, uh, and the very first day when masks were mandatory and I stepped out, you could cut the atmosphere with a knife. Like there was just this on the whole depressed like we're all just so felt very post-apocalyptic but luckily we've you know we've all sort of Melbourne we've come out of that and um, fingers crossed for every country around the world but it's also made us reexamine some of our values you know our fundamental systems perhaps around equity around caring for the environment caring for each other across the globe so it does matter what the health care that are simple peasant living, you know, somewhere distant from our skits. So, so I think it's also such an opportunity for us not to go back fully. And I think Barry does this so well in his uh, Future of Work PDF in your previous podcast. I, I wouldn't want to go back to exactly everything we had before. You know, what I love uh, about the way you uh, express is you, you express so visually. Like I can see, I can see the roller coaster you know, and I, you know, I could just start to see the images of you um, at the conference. And so it's obvious you are a master, master storyteller. Yeah. And, and I want to know, um, tell us like why you're so passionate about storytelling. Why did you dedicate your life and your books and your reading and your presentations to, to storytelling and why in the business world? I know. Oh, Mitch. Um, Dad, please don't stop the interview here. And please don't stop listening to our uh, podcast listeners, our audience. I'm actually an economist by training. <laughs> we'll edit that out. <laughs> but as an economist and as a senior leader in corporate Australia, I was always frustrated by how come data doesn't work. Like I had case studies, I had stacks of, you know, PowerPoint slide decks, I had return on investment, and we still couldn't connect, engage, and inspire people. We couldn't get that shift in behavior. And on a long-haul flight, someone gave me a book, and it, it, The Leader's Guide to Storytelling. And even seeing the word leader, which meant business and storytelling, was like my brain got fried. You know, it was such an oxymoron. It was one of the, it was one of the first books written by Stephen Denning. And I was so desperate for answers because you get so frustrated and stuck as a leader because you're pushing so hard, you're doing, you know, everything you can. I devoured the book on this long haul flight. And as soon as I got off, I rang a few leaders I knew. And they all said two things. They said, we know good leaders tell stories, but we don't know how to. And I was totally bewitched. And I started Googling. There wasn't much. There was just that HBR article by Stephen Denning and the one book. Yeah, yeah. And the best way to learn something is to teach it. So that's when, yeah, I thought there was a, you know, an opportunity where I could serve my business audience because that's my background. I've got a corporate background, but give them the skill that would help them get the results after, you know, the hard work that they've been pushing in. So that's how I got into storytelling. It's been 15 years. I can't believe it. <laughs> when we started, people would go, business storytelling? How can you even storytell in business? And there were all these objections. You know, and now I think we've come to the wonderfully, the wonderful journey has been now we can, how can you not storytell in business? Exactly. I think that's, you know, I tell, I tell my clients these days, if you go to the bookstore, if you can find one, um, you know, on the bookshelves are, you know, your books. And other books on leader as storyteller. Correct. 
So tell us, what's the difference, uh, if there is one, what's the difference between storytelling and what you spend a lot of your time on, which is business storytelling? Um, always, I, I think of them as a continuum. So like storytelling, personal storytelling is what you might do in the pub, in the, the pub, <laughs> like is that a universal word? It's very Australian, with friends and family. Business storytelling is like at the, it's similar, it's across the storytelling spectrum. But what makes it different is in business, you always have to have a purpose. You have to have a message. Uh, I have to know your audience. And your stories have to be true. Okay. <laughs> That's really important. I know in our personal life, we can, you know, make up stuff. And our friends often challenge us. They go, is that a true story? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll just give you an example so where it's quite different. I did some work with Bernadette Iskandar. And she was leading a team in an insurance company in Australia. And insurance is very, like, matter of fact, very, you know, black and white. You punch, you're, you're very efficient. You punch through stuff. But she wanted her team to sometimes take a step back and pause. So sometimes we've got to give the customers a second chance. Now, you can just say that as words, and they are just like Teflon, non-stick. Nothing, you know, won't stick. So she decided to share this story. So she said... A few weeks ago, my little five-year-old niece, Maya, came tearing into the house holding an apple in each hand. And I thought, this is a good time. I'm going to teach Maya how to share. And I said, Maya, can I please have one of your apples? She quickly took a bite out of the apple in her right hand. And quick as a flash, she took a bite out of the apple in her left hand. I was shocked. But before I could say anything, she reached out with the apple in her left hand. And she said, Auntie, have this one. It's sweeter. Oh, oh. I'm sure with you. <laughs> of course, we'll remember that story, right? Okay. And then she has a little tag, which is where, you know, you try to end on purpose. So she goes, I'm sharing this with you because every day we have that same opportunity. With our customers, we can jump to conclusions. But every time we give our customers a second chance, imagine, imagine the difference we can make. So that just literally your reaction, everyone in the room is, well, the most powerful thing you can do in business storytelling. So this is, again, that, you know, almost like a paradox is to use personal stories to land a business message. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're over like boring business stories. You know, they just talk about the business and what we do. And we're just over that. We really want to see, even if it's a large corporation, um, definitely, if you're an entrepreneur who works for yourself, if you're a startup across the board. So that's sort of where the power nests. I love that story. Yes, isn't it wonderful? Yeah. 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 It really touched well, I, everybody in the room. They could immediately yeah. see how. And it made it yeah, you, a team, you know. Yeah. It's the emotional yeah. response, right? That's what yeah. you're trying to get. Correct. Yeah. So why is, um, I'm, I'm going to go out there. Why is business storytelling more important than ever, especially now? I think, uh, you know, when we talk about a meta-modern world, I think storytelling is that silken thread that just weaves all its way. It'll help us reach this meta-modern world, and it'll also help us stay connected with each other. Just in our present, I think, you know, Barry was talking about this as well. It's about designing a human experience. So finding the heart in our organization. Much more important now. We're all looking for authenticity. We're looking for provenance. We're looking for personal connection. 
we've all felt really grounded in community. We've started to value these things in a way that perhaps they haven't been valued before. Uh, and for me, I just think data, and we know this data is, can I swear? <laughs> data can you, be. If you're from Australia <laughs> or from <laughs> Dublin, you can swear. That's right. <laughs> it's just data can be really boring at all. I'm a very, I'm a very amateur, very modest, non-swearer kind of person. So yeah, <laughs> it can be just really boring. Just data is really hard for your audience to understand, remember, retell. Those are our three challenges. We're always trying to get people to understand what we're saying. Whether you're dealing in product, you're dealing in a service, you're dealing with your teams, you're talking to stakeholders, you're pitching your work. People have to remember it. And stories are the Velcro in people's brains. Nothing else will stick. And finally, they've got to retell it. So if they come out of a meeting or they're talking to their partner at home and they say, what was that huge strategy meeting about? They've got nothing, you know. But right. if you have a story, they have something. And my final thing was, I think we live in a world that's just bloated with information. Bloated. But there's an inspiration famine. And traditionally, we've used to influence. So storytelling is like the contemporary tool for influence. We've used hard power, which is command and control, yell and tell. You know, Mitch, if you've... Um, if you've ever had a boss pull rank on you, you've shouted at your kids, clean up your room, you've experienced hard power. Yeah. We then in the 90s discovered soft power through the work of Professor Joseph Ney of Harvard. Soft power is about connecting, consulting, collaborating. And then we have story power. So hard power informs, soft power invites, but story power inspires. Yes. You definitely need both soft power and story power. Very occasionally hard power, like if it's an emergency, people have to follow process, um, stuff is urgent, very, very sparingly. Like, you know, most of the time we want to live in a world with soft power where we're connecting, consulting, collaborating. And then to have that other layer, to really lift your game, to quantum leap your influence, you've got to have story power. Share with me, um, I dealt with this. How would you deal with this? I had a CEO and I wanted him to start using storytelling just from the energy that he had about what he wanted to do in the organization. And when I recommended it, he said, well, I don't tell stories. <laughs> we and and. And the second thing he said is, and I have no stories to tell. So I dealt with it. How would you deal with it? I have to write this down. It's powerful stuff. It's worth a blog. So thank you, Ginny. Yes. <laughs> blog ideas from Team Anywhere. I don't tell stories. And yeah, I have no stories. Okay. Um. This is when that careful definition of business storytelling is really important. It's helped a lot of my clients because they think otherwise storytelling is like long-winded war stories, you know, all of that. Business storytelling is not. I would never be binary. So they always worry that we're saying abandon everything, just tell stories. Like even I don't do that. So I would always say in addition to the data, can you share some stories? And if the word stories is not landing, I would say, can you share some personal or business experiences? So always start off with a wide palette. I would say never, quonce is the French word, never corner people with the word because they, something about storytelling, people think it has to be epic. 
because we've grown up, Ginny, in this, perhaps you've grown up with watching motivational speakers. Sure. And they always are like, you know, abseiling down Mount Everest, sailing around the world, you know, doing all of those. And you think, oh my God, I've got nothing. I've got nothing like yeah, that. Yeah, good point. Yeah. And what frees us is to know that personal stories, like the child with the apple, is what is highly relatable. So these epic stories put your audience in a watching a performance mode. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm like amazed. But the personal stories puts the audience in the story with you. Yes. So that that would help him. So don't even just talk about, can you share a, how can we make this come alive? Can you share? So if he's saying, I don't do stories, I would say, okay, in addition to the data, we're definitely doing the data. What is an example you can share? What's yeah. a business experience you can share? What's a personal experience? So I'm scaling up the degree of difficulty. Yeah. And even an analogy can be put in that. What's an analogy? What's an example? What's a first business experience? And I do personal experience last. That's hardest to do. The other thing, I have no stories. My God, we all bump up against this. Uh, Mitch, I don't know if this, uh, this is appropriate. I, I've got a, a, got a PDF that I can provide, which is, is 101 okay. story ideas. Okay, so, we'd yes, love yes. to share that. Yes. Yeah. And you just as you, soon as you start to read all of those, you go, my God, I've got a story. Like even if you went through all the firsts in your life, my first day of school, my first date, my first marriage proposal, my first child, my first yes. job. Can you see how that's like a Russian dolls? Even if you went, what are the firsts in my life? And you start to build all your stories, you'll never run out. Yeah, you'll never run out. So I'll definitely totally. share that 100 month story ideas. Um, That's nice. Yeah, level of skill. It's just a different way about thinking about the world, you know. So once you start to spot stories, you start to spot them everywhere. Yeah, and they there, start collecting them. You've yeah, got to record you collect, them. You've got to write them down. Yeah, very important because I do that in two ways. It's a really important point, uh, Ginny. But just coming back to being able to see stories, like once you start, it's like you open your third eye. You go, oh, my God. Like every meeting is a story. I have a story in every meeting, every encounter with my barista or even my little dog is in the room is like could be a story. Jeanette, you were saying how we should capture our stories. We should record our stories. That's really important. You've either got to do it. I do it in two ways. So I've got like I do analog, uh, but I also got Evernote or OneNote. So whenever I see something in the media, something happens, I capture it. Because if you don't record, you're going to forget. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a, a, a few years ago, I was invited in by Accenture in Melbourne. And we took all their uh, consultants through storytelling training because, you know, every time they go up and they're shortlisted for a pitch, they wanted that to be a differentiator. Um, six months after we did the work with Accenture, Jack Percy, who was then the MD of Accenture, he featured in, sorry, there's going to be lots of name dropping, <laughs> coming alert, alert, alert. I know. He featured with me in Boss Magazine, which is Financial Review Boss Magazine, with three with three of my clients, Ericsson, Nab, and Accenture. And Jack Percy is quoted in the article as saying, storytelling doubled our revenue. Storytelling doubled our revenue. That's when you just want to fall to the ground in gratitude. Yes. So thank you so much for just putting it in black and white, putting it in this premier magazine, not just telling me in a corridor chat, because where would be the credibility of that? So that's been... and but. Mitch and Ginny, like, of course, getting some skills, doing a masterclass with me or anyone who's good at it, very, very important. But what's really important is what happens after. 
how are they embedding the skill and this is you know for all our learning and development and for all our people who who doing workshops and training this is our biggest challenge and our biggest frustration in accenture they made a small shift they would always every meeting every pitch every proposal every co- coffee shop encounter they would ask each other what is the story we're going to share wow what is the story we're going to share so in addition to everything else we've talked about the data the powerpoint slides the business results what is the story so that simple behavioral change created part of their culture correct correct thinking uh, that's our language is storytelling yeah but don't yeah perfect very good that's spot on spot on so you're literally you're thinking about it all the time and becomes who you are right it's also uh genuine which it also takes huge permission from the top so the ceo and that c suite if you're trying to you know embed anything in as you know particularly yes. with storytelling the teams have to give have to see that in action with their leaders and they it has to be role model and that's how you culturally give people permission especially if you're trying to shift that mindset of i don't tell stories i don't have any stories they've got to see that really done well and i'd always suggest don't throw people in the deep end and just say let's start sharing stories we had a new gm join in one of my organizations a long time ago and as soon as he'd go into the lift with someone he'd say so what's your story and the oh. person would just like freeze you know like a deer in headlights so we never want to we never want to do that to people and say oh just find stories it's it's so natural it's so not because our business brain yes. is like you know you don't want to make it trivial Yeah, we worry about so many. Sorry, Jenny, we don't want to make. No, it no, yeah, you want to raise it up. I mean, I mean, it is an art form. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to make it trivial. Spot on. Thank you for recognizing it's a craft and an art form. Yeah. What are what are like the the keys to um to craft an engaging story? So if I if I am a listener here and you know I guess yeah, something happened or. yeah my first date or my first job or how <laughs> how would i craft it such that it's people would resonate like the apple story is yeah. i'm sure if you told the apple story backwards it would be like what who cares <laughs> like how do you craft it how do you craft it so that it's engaging yeah so true so true what happens behind the scenes before you even start to craft your story is to always think begin with the end in mind to quote dr stephen kavi what's the purpose what's the message of the story and then think about your audience who is the story going to serve so it always really grounds us as storytellers when you go uh, will my story serve this room so it really grounds us then i'd say that there's a craft and so you've got an idea in your head you're thinking you know my first date or whatever i would say three things help you the first is understanding sequence so not the shiny stuff but actual sequence beginning middle end mm-hmm. uh, and that it's just that simple structure you'd be surprised how many people say go oh, wow beginning middle end you know like we never thought and you've got to really break it down you've got to do some work on your beginning so you hook people in middles can be like the valley of death for a story so you've got to make sure you continue to engage your audience and of course the end is both the resolution and in business storytelling you then do a very subtle elegant landing on message so we don't go thumping in with our message so sequence all of that in sequence is very layered and detailed the second thing that really helps is being very specific with your stories this is where i find that business people really really struggle 
because all the business is abstract, conceptual, big picture. And the stories that we're talking about is the opposite of that. Ah. It's concrete, detailed, small picture. So we really struggle. It's like we've got to turn on a different part of our brain. Yes. So we often think we're being specific. Uh, like I might say, you know, last year, two years ago, I traveled to Europe. I had a great time. It's not specific enough. But if I go in 2019, I woke up, I, w- I was traveling to Paris and I woke up one Monday morning and I found my passport had been stolen. Can you see how that just is so specific? Like the minute I said Paris, what did your brain imagine? Oh, I imagined uh, being in one of those small, tiny, brightly colored hotels like outside the Louvre and and being on one of those very uncomfortable thin beds. (laughs) At the Eiffel Tower, the croissants. I love it. Yeah. And so only if you're specific. So the first point was make sure you have a sequence. Second is be specific, for God's sake. Like, you know, name people, locations. Uh, and if you think of all the narratives we consume on a daily basis, you know, on TV and cinema and media, they're very, very specific. Um, and the third thing is then it's when you are specific, you do the two most powerful things in storytelling. You create emotion. You make your audience feel something, which is what you felt with the Apple story, and you paint a picture. So I call that sensory data. You paint a picture. And Mitch, you just did it when you talked about being in the small, brightly colored cafes outside the Louvre. You're painting a picture. But you can only do that if you're specific. So those yeah, I love are that. some tips to help people get going. Yeah, I love that. When we do improv, um, the more specific, the funnier it is. So true. Even comedy is very specific, yes. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it's such a slippery thing for people to get, you know? Yeah. So, and the thing that challenges us is we worry about oversharing. So, Ginny, we worry. When you tell a story, you're putting something of yourself out there. So you have, you have that little bit of vulnerability. So it's really important to differentiate between a personal story, like the apples, you know, I can share, a, and a private story. So even as a storyteller, I'm very careful about what I won't share. Okay. So I do that as private, but I'm happy to share personal stuff, you know, my, my family, my dog, where I live, where I work. So as long as we have that clarity and you decide what's private for you and, you know, put a guardrail around it. And the rest is can be because they're so relatable. Talk about taking a bus to school or being bullied as a kid, going on your first date. These are universal human experiences. There's so much power in them. Definitely. Beautiful. Yeah. So the reason one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the, the podcast is one because I've just been following you for so long. Another is it just so happens that we had a few months ago, you already married, man, you already mentioned Barry Winkless, um, who's the head of Future of Work Institute in Dublin. He calls himself, I went on his, on his website, he calls himself a strategic storyteller. Love it. Love it. And, and he's a great. He's a, sorry, you go. sorry, you go. He's great. He's, well, he's, he's, um, he's a master story. He's just, he's so engaging again. Um, so, so in his paper, he states that not only will storytelling be one of the most important skill sets, if not the most important skill set for, for leaders of the future, but leaders will have to take their story and then turn them into an experience. 
and he didn't tell us how. He might have been on the show. And I was wondering how you might work with uh, a CEO or someone driving culture on how you might craft and then craft a story of the future of the company. Because as you've pointed out, none of us are going back and none of us know what the future is going to look like. All of my clients we're working with is we have no idea what the future is going to look like. Mm. So how would you support a client in crafting the story and then turning that story into a living experience of the company? Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful question. And uh, Mitch, I really enjoyed, and if people haven't already downloaded that Future of Work PDF by Barry Winkles, I'd highly recommend it. So uh, it's really thought-provoking and beautifully written, beautifully you know, written. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. Uh, Barry's talking, we talked about the difference between micro-storytelling which is the personal oral storytelling, the examples which I was sharing, which leaders should do seamlessly all through the day. Yeah, And then he's talking about macro storytelling. So macro storytelling is how do we do this across an organization? And one way then is to think larger than just individual stories or your brand promise or your employee value proposition. If you lift them all up and you think of them as a story experience, so I would just say, what if you were writing a Netflix, a Netflix show? What would episode one be? What would episode two be? So that's how that's one way of thinking about it. Also, when we run events, and I think he touched on this, it's such a wonderful hat to have on to say, what what is the story we're crafting with this event? I don't even want to use the word event because every time we bring customers, stakeholders, our team members together, we want to create an experience. So how can we? have an experiential moment. There's nothing more experiential than storytelling. So I've done work with clients where we provided a list of what I call framing questions without even, you know, um, doing too much skilling or anything, having them in groups and circles, getting them to share their experiences. And they're all stories. So it's like little campfires, they're all stories. And then done spotlights where we can then highlight what do we need to share across the organization. But it's a wonderful way of really dropping into our bodies and saying, how, how is this an experience versus just like something intellectual in my head? And I think that's where the challenge, but the opportunity also lies. So that's powerful stuff. It's hard to get your head around, but that's how I'd see it. A macro story is, again, like a thread that weaves all the way through your organization. But what's hanging off these threads is all those little, little micro stories. So you don't get this boring, one big fat story designed by committee. Uh, that's the death knell of any story. <laughs> what all the little micro stories do is they find the human. So even when you're creating your experience, I would always say, find the human. Who is this experience for? Is it the customer? What does that, you know, what kind of experience would they like? How can we story tell or craft something for them that would work? A long answer to <laughs> That was great. No, I, I expected a long answer because yeah. uh, it's a very difficult question. Yeah. yeah. So now I've heard you have a new book out there, Light, light, of, the, light, light of the Party. Light of the Party. Light of the Party. Of the party. And um, tell us about your latest book. This is what, your fifth book? My sixth book. Yeah. My your sixth, sixth yeah. book. Yeah. This is number six. I'm going to hold yeah, it up. Number six. It's got the most so, uh, cover. <laughs> I wrote this beautiful. in 2020 when we were, and we're still possibly not feeling. It was called Life of the Party, L-I-F-E, and then all the parties stopped. But I thought Light of the Party. So even with an introvert with 
anybody it can work. This I'm on a quest to teach everyone in the world, whether you're a volunteer, you're a stay-at-home homemaker, you're a parent in your kid's school, a teacher, you can learn storytelling. We, if we're all better storytellers, I think our ability to share stories and connect with each other in a way that's profound, you know, but simple will really help us shift the world. We'll, uh, yeah, I, I just feel a real resonance with the minute you listen to someone's story, you can't hate them anymore. So I feel it oh, about I you. love that. Yeah. You're expected to sell, what, 7.7 billion copies then? Yeah. So it's a copy for everyone, right? Yay, finally, I can, you know, not that I want to, but I can do my classes from Hawaii or from the Caribbean. Yes. That's right. <laughs> so it's actually called Be That Storyteller Who Fascinates Friends, Dazzles Dates, Wows Clients, Wins Promotions, and Gets Kids to Make Their Beds. Okay, you that's know, important. It last happened to one of my clients. She came to my workshop, did, you know, storytelling. She went home and told her 10-year-old a story and he made his bed. The story in wow. to make his bed. So I hope it's got at least two things in there that works for everybody. Oh, how powerful. It's a really simple. It was the hardest book for me to write, Ginny and Mitch, because you're trying to really make something simple. Yes. Fun illustrations. My designer's done a great cover. He's done a very flattering little cartoon of me on the back. I don't know if you can see it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So So when did you launch? When did that book come out? It's going to come out at the end of the month, in the end of April. But we can do a special of- code, April. Okay, April. yeah, special code would be great. Yeah, yeah. for your audience, we can yeah. do a special code. That would be fantastic. So, I mean, it'll be That'd up be on You can order it through my website at the moment. It's like a pre-release. Uh, but it doesn't work out when people are overseas and stuff. It's just too hard. Right. So we'll be releasing it on Amazon. Okay, great. Yeah, that's how we would get it here um because yeah. so, uh, australia has oh. not it's not close to the 7.7 billion i think it's one of those smaller <laughs> populated <laughs> countries i go be in india so i'll get india america you india. Go. the three more hit a billion yeah <laughs> when you think of people and and i've done some storytelling and i'm always concerned you're i'm sure you are far beyond this so no. you're such an expert no, not and that. I'm always surprised at how much they then want to, because I have them do a little mini story following the step. They all want to tell their story. And of course, you don't have all the time in one workshop. Taking this to our overall theme of teams anywhere, when you talk about a story and its energy and its humanity and painting the picture and uh, creating a vision in people's head, you can see the power of this for leaders to cross that hybrid and virtual divide. So beautifully. So true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is there something we should have asked you, Yamini, that we have not asked you? Uh, Yeah, so I've sort of got my three, you know, golden rules is uh, go personal, don't hide. This is for everyone in business. Don't hide behind business stories, yeah. Um, Please don't do a story by committee. It's the worst thing. It won't be a story. Please don't just call anything a story. (laughs) (laughs) A story has to have all the elements you're talking about. And always find the humor. That's the heart of everything. Mm. Even if you're many, many layers removed, there's somebody who's using your product or your service. So 
you know, even if you worked in the most automated AI influenced industry, you've got to find the human. That's when you'll find the heart of your story and you'll start to build. Okay, find the human. Find the human, find the human. That's the heart of storytelling, yeah. Where can we find you? Where can our listeners find you? Yeah, you can find me just on my website, uh, but I tend to, and if you're looking at any social media platforms, LinkedIn is the best place to find me. And recently I've been making gentle forays into Instagram. Yeah, we see it. We see it. Um, we see it above you at Yamini Naidu. Yeah, Yamini Naidu. Yeah, and that is for our listeners. It's Y A M I N I N A I D U. Brilliant. Well done. Thank you, Mitch. That was my old Twitter handle. It's a physical sign. It's made out of light wood, and my team would carry it out to events. And now it's up on my wall. So, but I'm not Twitter anymore. So beautiful. Well, gosh, uh, Yamini, this has been, um, I've been looking forward to this so much. Uh, This has been beautiful, beautiful, beautiful session. Um, I want to thank you so much um, for joining us on the podcast. We look forward to uh, staying in contact and maybe bringing you back. And thank you, Ginny, my lovely co-host. Yes, just wonderful. Great. I don't want it to end. The word you used was wonderful. It is, it was a beautiful podcast. It was a beautiful podcast. Thank you so much. Ginny and Mitch, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for connecting from, you know, the East and the West Coast. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. And well, thank you both. And thank you to all of our incredible listeners who are growing week after week after week. We should hit um, 2,000 um, downloads with this podcast. Um, I know we will. And uh, we look forward. Uh, so please share this podcast with everyone you know, because <laughs> 7.7 billion people will be buying Yamini's book. And <laughs> we look forward. Guaranteed, yeah. And guaranteed. Will be a witness. <laughs> guaranteed. You'll buy one we'll right buy now. We'll 7 million copies, Mitch. <laughs> I'm, I'm there. So thank you. And we'll see you on next week's edition of Team Anywhere. <laughs>